Podcast Shop of Maniacs. You're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show with Davey and the Chris. I can tell what was spinning on Dave's desk. We'll have to pay some royalties for that one. But hey, we're back. 2023. Uh, here we go. How are you doing, Chris? I wonder if uh, if any kind of AI could recognize that yet. You know, I remember you know, like when you're at a bar and you what's what's that app where it you, you listens to the song for a minute and then figures out what it is. Just incredible technology. I think we should all be pretty amazed by that thing existing. Yeah, like Shazamin'. Yeah, right. And then it, and then it more yeah Shazam. And then it, and I think I don't know if Google owns it or what, but I don't know. My wife's when she was had an Android phone, it was always just telling her what song was playing. It was just listening constantly, which entered the realm of creepitude pretty quickly. Yeah. Anyway, it's just amazing how that stuff evolves and stuff. You know, it makes me think of. I'll just hijack this right away. We'll get into a bunch Go of stuff. For it. The Washington Post had this art, this great explanation of how all this AI art stuff works, and, I, and it finally like made it click for me. So, like, way to go, journalism, I guess. <laughs> Good. But the okay. idea yeah. is, you know, and I feel like everybody should know this because it feels like something like you could almost explain it to your parents or something. This, this, this machine, you know, it has an image of, you know. I don't know, cat riding a skateboard. And then the piece of text that says cat riding a skateboard, it knows how to connect those two things. That image is a cat riding a skateboard. Great. And then it like applies noise to the image. And then it's still it still knows that that's cat riding a skateboard and it adds noise and it adds noise and it adds noise and it adds noise. And its goal is to, to continue to identify that as cat. And then it has the second job, which is removing noise from images. Can it denoise an image? Can it get really good at that? So it does those Mm. two things. And then the way that the art is randomized, because if you go to one of these art generators and you type in cat riding a skateboard, every time you do it, it's going to be different. It feels like it's being creative, which that's the part that's like, that is goddamn magic, you know? But the point is, it starts out with just like TV static, just absolute total random noise and Mm -hmm. then you tell it that image that's a cat riding a skateboard and then it's like oh it is i will denoise this a hundred percent noise to be a cat riding a skateboard it'll just keep removing noise remove noise remove noise until (laughs) what has started as absolute random noise is now a cat riding a skateboard it just blows my mind that that's the that's how it works it actually makes it understandable in a way that I just did not understand it before. That's, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, well, and it's weird how, like, it, 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 it like, knows, and, and you, or you can say, like, in the style of Van Gogh, you know, and it's just like, oh, okay, I, I know what Van Gogh is. That noise kind of works like this, you know, I guess. Yeah, that noise works um, like this. That's exactly it. And, it, you know, it's the confidence that's so interesting. You, I'm sure you've heard all the, like, chat GTP stuff say that, hey, it doesn't it doesn't say, oh, maybe I think this. It's always very confident in what it's telling to you, even if it's absolutely not true. Yeah, that yeah. confidence is expressed the same way in the in the art generators. It is very yeah. confidently telling you that this random noise is a is a cat riding a skateboard in the style of Van Gogh. It has that oh, same man. bravado, you know. It's got like my uncle Uncle Bill vibes. Just like I'm an artist, or I'm writing <laughs> a screenplay, and it's going to be good. God <laughs> dang like, right. Are you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's no, that's interesting. Yeah, you know, 
not to be, we've been uh, doomsday about AI in the past, you know, but um, it's really interesting times right now. I, I've been in lots of conversations, like over the weekend, I was in three conversations about AI, chat GTP specifically, mm-hmm. and just people just like, how's that going to work for you? You know, how's that changing your life, you know? And it's it's wild because this this guy who was asking me, you know, I was like, you know, it's pretty good and it does clever results, you know. And and he was like, yeah, I used it to like I had it write a feature for my website that I instead of paying offshore to go develop this feature for twenty no. hours, forty hours, he built this little calculator they wanted using chat using prompts. And he well, committed that's wonderful. it and put it. And I'm like, that's just like, whoa. <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't like, as like, I always thought AI would be coming for my job in 2070, you know, like way after mm. I'm out of the industry. But now it's like now here, you know, it's and my job's probably different, but it, it is, but it's just shocking. And, and like, but that also means I don't have to ever work code up somebody's weird calculator i can just say or i can talk into the machine and then bill them for that or Mm. i can uh (laughs) like have them talking to the machine but what's interesting to me the fallout is if we if all of us are prompt engineers and and prompt graphic artists how how do we like fix things is sort of my question like if somebody's like i want robot playing guitar in the style of Van Gogh. And I'm like, great, I did that for you. And they're like, no, but I want the moon over to the on the left side. It's like, oh, I don't know how to do that. You know, like, isn't that weird? Like, yeah, I mean, I I would think in that case, you'd you, you, I I really am impressed by the ones that take an image as input. So you take that and, you know, and you take your futuristic tablet, draw a little circle in the upper left hand corner and be like, I know what you mean. Move the moon. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, that's interesting. Like fill in the blank kind of or like, or just figure that the rest out. It's interesting. So we have GitHub Copilot, but there's not a chat GTP that's that's specifically code design yet you'd think that's coming real fast especially because the mo- most recent news was whatever microsoft's going to give them 10 billion dollars and oh yeah um, and have their 75 percent of their revenue be paid back you know <laughs> right away or whatever very interesting i'm sure like i think it, the chat gtp was just this extension of the da vinci 002 language model it's now 003 or something um but it's uh but I think it, we're like on the cusp of like if they can apply that downstream that into the code completion AI, that's going to be massive. So very yeah. different. It's like, very interesting that it's been so effective already. That you're talking to a guy who you know got a free calculator or whatever. That's not you know well, that's not going back in the weird? jar. He also told me the story. He showed it to his high schooler. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, very dangerous here. She took it and wrote thank you notes to her grandparents for Christmas gifts. Oh, wow. Like, write a note to Nana that says thank you for the whatever Lego set. And yeah, so I don't have to cough up the words, because they feel very rote anyway, right? I really appreciate the presents. Now, grossly, 
like scamming your grandparents. Yes. <laughs> grandparents should be upset if they find out. Uh, however, like it's a lot of effort to write grandma. It's, you know, you're talking to a, a 2023 teen who like lives by texting in 80 characters at a time. That That's summoning a lot of mental acumen to like write the full letter to grandma. You know what I mean? Uh, so I don't, so maybe that's great. And then, you know, you extrapolate that for like writing, you know, essays in college or, or whatever. And I'm like, in my opinion is like, in one sense, like, no, I want my kids to do it. But then my other side of my brain is just like, yeah, just why should my done. son <laughs> ever have to write a paper in his whole life? Like, why should he? Like computers do that now. Why should he ever have to write <laughs> yeah, a do, single do, paper uh, in his entire or report in his entire life? But surely you want him to do something, right? So, is the, what's the something then if it's not that? Like, I don't, I don't know. know. What is it? Yeah, well, I don't know. So, I don't like, know. the parenting game has changed for me because, or just education entirely. Because I, I mean, a page is a paper is just regurgitating facts, more or less. It's like find five facts about. Britain. Well, what's the counter argument there? Is it, well, you, yeah, but you're learning to craft prose. You know, you're learning where the periods and the commas go. You're learning to, in a sense, uh, understand what your teacher expects of you and connect the dots between expectations and results and stuff. I'm sure it's not just the final product of the paper that matters there. There's a whole process that is kind of being learned. I agree. And and that was uh, my friend Taylor. He kind of had that like argument, like he doesn't care about school. He just cares that his kids know how to do the thing, like how to do something, whether, you know, and it's like, I think it's cool. I don't know, need to know how to Photoshop anymore. I can just ask the AI to make the photo for me. Mm -hmm. uh, but knowing how to Photoshop is a very cool skill, you know? So like, that's a good thing to know. But I'm, it's, I don't know. I, but I'm in my brain, I'm just like, oh, cool. My son gets to learn how to write an essay when everyone else's kids are just call, talking, tell, asking Google for essays. So, like, he has to, like, not graduate. Yeah, it's happening really fast, too. School's, school's notoriously moving slowly, too, meaning that they need to react to this really quickly and they, and they almost surely won't. So it's going to be a weird couple of years in that regard. Not that I can speak to it. I'm not really in that industry, but hey, good luck, you know. <laughs> I know. Well, it's just education is different. Work is now different. Uh, any email or or job application you get from here to eternity is possibly a robot. So <laughs> how yeah. do you, you know, yeah, like, got to hone in on what's uniquely human, which I think is interesting. So if you want to tell your grandparents, thank you so much for the presence. I, it, the words are one thing, but wouldn't it be neat if we found another way to do that? I mean, in a sense, that's what kind of like FaceTime or something is that you get to see each other's faces and you can express those little shy moments where your little kid is hiding behind your legs because, mm -hmm. you know, they, they haven't seen their grandma in a while. And they, you know, but that's that kind of human connection moment that, that, chat GPT can't do that you know or is there some kind of like like way to express to your grandparents when you gave me that present my heart felt warm that I I want to tell you that I appreciate you and that who cares I mean if, if it's words that do that eh, 
you know, if it's a, a photo or something, there's got to be something that a computer can't do that can express that human to human moment, you know? So maybe it's not, uh, maybe it's not a letter anymore. Maybe it's not, it changes. It's something else now. We all strap little <laughs> electrical things around our chest. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, the Apple Watch, Apple Health integration, and plus, uh, like, that that's awesome. Yeah. That'll bust you big time. <laughs> hey, honey, do, do you like my outfit? Me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wasn't there, was it, was it the circle or something? There is no more lying in the future. Lying is oh, deprecated. Yeah. Um, all right. Here's another one for you. You know, Figma tool, design tool. Figma. Love it. 20, I, $20 billion. Love it. Yes. Yeah, well, me too. And they, they changed the game in a number of ways. In, in some that are positive for our industry because it's a web app, Dave. Wow, the best design tool in the world is on the web. Who freaking would have guessed? I remember we used it for like a shop talk redesign like five years ago or something. And mm-hmm. it was like, I don't know if this is going to work, man. You know, like <laughs> it, yeah. was, it was like on the edge. But now it's like awesome. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, totally good. It has a, as conceptually... There's a thing going on with it called that we'll call infinite canvas, right? You can mm-hmm. hold the whatever is the space bar, I guess, and just drag in any direction, anywhere you want to go. Interesting approach, right? Different in a way than tools that we're used to in the past. Even Sketch or some modern tools like that. A lot of things that they wanted to know up front was what is the canvas size. They wanted you to pick mm-hmm. it, certainly in Photoshop, Illustrator and stuff. And they, you know, they would kind of help. Illustrator was a little bit more infinite because you could have multiple canvases and stuff like that. And it's true that even in, Figma has it both ways in that they allow you to draw a kind of, what do they call it? A, a, is it a canvas? Artboard. 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 Or, yeah, yeah, there you go. That says, here, that has a fixed size. But while you're working, it's very infinite-like. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's <laughs> it's one of those things that feels like it's just in the water and that lots of things all of a sudden work in this way. It's kind of like, I don't know, firing people, I guess. That got very in vogue for a minute there. Yeah, Let's do that. Apparently, yeah. Just fire everybody now. Yeah. Same with infinite canvas tools. And I, I also think of them in my brain just uh, to attach it to CSS is like position absolute tools and that the these type of tools they they already, they just don't have some, any sense of flow. You know, you don't drag something around and it pushes something else. You know, I know there's like auto layout and stuff in Figma, but that's very, you know, opt-in and not the default mode and requires a little special setup and stuff. But I kind of like position absolute tools because that's, it gives you this opportunity. You can always just pick up and grab something and it puts your brain in this different position that is good for design work. So good mm-hmm. job, you know? You know, and I, I just wrote a little bit about it as a blog post a, a little bit a while back now. But it was I I think it's interesting how many tools like that. And then I wrote that, and then all of a sudden, Apple Freeform drops. I think or it might have dropped shortly before I published, so I got to to sneak it in there. You know, not every day Apple releases a new app, and it's the same thing. It's just drag little sticky notes anywhere, whatever. Oh yeah, uh, interesting. interesting. And then I happen to be using Arc. I'm still on Arc, you know? Yeah, me uh, too. Love an, lo, love an Arc. They have this concept of an artboard, 
it's a little bit of a wild card feature for a browser, but um, they dog food it because they put their release notes in it. I just saw today as we record this, they released their their January update that had some stuff in there. If you open that up, it has that same, you know, Apple freeform kind of feel to it and that it gives you this page that's not like a Notion page. This Notion is like blocks and you can drag the blocks up and down, but not just absolutely anywhere, not like position absolute. But their mm-hmm. their easel app is very much more position absolute like, you know, and you can draw in there and drop little images in there and put text wherever you want it and stuff. It works really nicely for their release notes, I think. So it makes mm-hmm. for a good like example of why why would I use this? Pretty neat. But they publish it and it's almost like a it's like a website. Now they have this advantage that. Arc is only a desktop website. So they know generally that you have a pretty big screen in front of you to do this. And that's unique on the web because it's almost been the opposite story on the web. On the web, it's like you should pretty much assume it's a tiny little screen Mm -hmm. at this point. So you kind of have to. Yeah. Yeah. You have to assume it's 320 and it can grow kind of. Yeah, yeah. So they have that, you know, that that's interesting about these infinite these tools like this is that they they are pretty desktop focused as far as I'm concerned. Now, I just I don't have any huge point to, to build, but I was looking at this um this has been around a while, but I think it just had a big upgrade. The URL is mmm.page. mmm.page. And they make these it's essentially this a tool like I just described like Arcs easels or or Figma mm-hmm. really that just allows you to just drag and drop and put crap anywhere. It all feels very position absolutely, and then and then have that be a literal website. You publish it, and so it's a little. I mean, I hesitate to call it a CMS, but it's more like just a site building tool. And I think it's really cool. I mean, the the point behind it is like go crazy, be weird, put you know put weird gifts, you know, really express yourself. But you don't have to. You can be pretty classy about it, and they have some classy examples too. But what's what struck me about this is this is for the web. Then that that assumption we just talked about that like you know, assume it's three twenty and grow mm-hmm. is yeah, it's a little weird here. So what is their approach? And it's interesting their builder kind of puts you into a not 320 column but you know 600 maybe it's like a 600 flexi column i'm seeing it yeah and then they just smash it down by scale and that's how the arc ones work too as you as you resize your browser you'll see the whole damn thing just scales hmm. interesting which is something we just did not we just did not choose that path in web design generally you know like if you want that behavior that's a little tricky to pull off. It's probably some JavaScript and some transform magic and stuff to, to make it do that. But I, I do think that's interesting that I've just been seeing it more and more as just a, you know, responsive web design via scale. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny as I'm tabbing around one of their example sites. Sorry. Judgy zone. Red. Yeah, Welcome to the, the judgment t- zone. Just the tab. Yeah. Uh, Tab orders messed. Tab orders not wicked messed. Uh, wicked messed. Uh, so anyway, but it actually works. I guess is kind of the like, like yeah. I mean, the text is it's text. tabbable. It's not just yeah. It's not just PNGs. You know. So I wonder if they could apply some algorithm to it. You know, kind of a top left to bottom right. At least in if the language is adheres to that thing and, and then attempt to. Not tab index, but maybe like just straight up because all these things are probably are position absolute. 
yeah. with uh, Source Order. Anyway, anyway just interesting. Yeah, no. Different fun. world. I mean, I, I'm I'm pro. Let's get weird. I guess is what I want to say. You know, let's get um, weird accessibly. Uh, but let's get weird accessibly. Let's not leave people out in our weirdness. Um, but infinite canvas tools are are interesting. I I like them. I also sometimes feel totally lost. You know, when you're on the slippery uh, ice of an infinite canvas, trying to find the thing you want. You know. And that can be a bad experience sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't make me take meeting notes like that. I don't want to take meeting notes like that. You know, I, right. I need some structure. In the- right. Like, like I think, you know, I used OneNote for a long time, and it, it infinite canvassed your notes. And it was like, cool, except not cool. <laughs> like, like I, I kind of want structure to my notes, you know? Like, um, yeah. Uh, or at least, like, when I add a new text field, I just want it to left align to where everything else was. Unless it's a totally free form thing. I guess like that's just where it gets a little weird. It's like, am I taking notes? Am I making a document or am I making uh, a collage? You know? Yeah. I mean, I guess it kind of depends. You know, if you knew ahead of time that you're just going to be writing down a series of bullet points, fine. Yeah. But like, a lot of times you don't really know what's what's happening. Right, right. It's kind of just a big question. No, it's I don't know. It, it let's go. Let's get weird. Twenty twenty three. Um, I got a question for you, or like a little I love similarity. Questions. Well, there's yeah. Stop me if I'm giving away too much about Luro, but there's a thing that Luro can do where it <gasps> stop. No, I'm just going. <laughs> Go ahead, 2023, <laughs> talk about Luro. Yeah, yeah. We're, no ads in the show anymore. Just just Luro and, and CodePen. It connects to uh, Figma, I guess. I don't know if there's other sources. And, 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 and <laughs> I don't know if scrape is the right word for it. If they have an API, it's not really scraping. Yeah, yeah. We, we, like get, we find all your components and stuff from your Figma, and we like... Uh, document that um, we capture that uh, styles and colors and tokens and all that stuff too. Yeah, and then like another feature we have is like pages, right? Like, and I'm kind of a firm believer of like, like let's connect the design system to the actual thing we're building. You know, like let's just let's not just have a design system. Let's like have the thing we're building, where the target that we're trying to build with the design system. So we allow you to like have these pages and allow you to like we crawl your site. So a page is not in Figma. A page I'd put in literally codepen.io slash design system or, URLs or slash about. Might be another. Yeah. yeah, URLs. There you go. So that is a, that is a scraper then of, of sorts. You need to connect to my website and you need to see whatever the whole DOM, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like there's probably some nuance here. Like scraper would be like like yoinking content. You know, this is mm-hmm. a crawler. It's just really indexing content. So okay. does that sound good? Can we make that distinction? It does. We're a crawler, but... You want all of it, not some of it. Yeah, <laughs> Technically, we do scrape the title. <laughs> uh, oh. The title tag, but uh, yeah. 
other than that. That's cool. And I remember when we were setting up some some code pen stuff, we, you know, this is almost as time goes on, I feel more embarrassed by this, but it is entirely client rendered. A lot of code pen, not absolutely all of it, but when we were Rails, it was server-side rendered. As we moved to React, we really went all in on client-side rendering because we're not using a framework for a lot of our next stuff. It's just a page. We load React. React loads and it does stuff like load Apollo client and Apollo client connects to an API and we pull data from the API and build the page. There's no Next.js or the like to do that stuff server-side and then spit out HTML. Now, there's going to be. We Mm -hmm. have all that in development branches and stuff, uh, but we're just neck deep in a lot of different stuff. And so some of the pages on that you that I might want to crawl, even our about page is just client-side rendered, you know? Yeah. So yeah. if I pointed Luro at it at one time, it, it, it just got nothing, essentially, had the old empty div problem. And then like two days later, you're like, oop, we fixed that. It's now, yeah, it's all but- of it. We'll invoice you for that later. Yeah. But it was, uh, yeah, it was in, like we were using this crawler and I really liked it because, uh, you know, I'm kind of managing speed and accuracy versus like just robustness, I guess, you know. And so the goal yeah. was like get it to return something in like a minute or two, you know, like a, a, lit, a pretty deep crawl or, or breadth, I think would be where breadth first. Um, but like do a pretty breathful crawl and then uh, surface that as quickly as possible. And HTML is awesome. And if there was an argument, I know there's currently HTML, JavaScript beef going on right now on the internet, but HTML is very awesome for crawlability. Like like we could go through a site very fast with a just static HTML crawler. But CodePen is not alone. There's a lot of sites that do JavaScript or take a lot of JavaScript to render the page. And so we are kind of, um, we ended up using Puppeteer. So we're scripting Puppeteer now with Crawly, which is like a, uh, it's by API, I think is the Crawly. Crawly with two E's. Yep. So, yeah, because right away I'm like, okay, if you're going to, if you need to execute the page, you have to, you have to run a browser. You have to run so a browser. So you're kind of, you're basically in Puppeteer territory or whatever the other one is. Yeah, like, Playwright, I guess. Playwright. Uh, could even do Firefox, I guess. But yeah, and then there, I think there's maybe a world where there's, you know, like, you know, these not so standard browsers like Flowy or Flow or whatever, you know, mm. but but I don't think that really exists yet. But um, but it's a dramatic difference. It's because dr- it, if you don't need to execute the JavaScript, it's a freaking curl. You need nothing to crawl the nothing. page. It's, it's nothing. So light and so fast. It's great. And then the second you're like, oh, sorry, this is client rendered. You're like, oh, okay, now I need a gigabyte of dependencies to deal with that. That's For crazy. Sure. I mean, quite literally, it's it's in that territory. And, um, you know, but it, it's a better product. Or it's like, I think Puppeteer scripting is actually pretty awesome, like um, compared to like kind of bespoke crawling service or something like that. Yeah, um, it does feel good to just use kind of browser-ish APIs, you know, like yeah. query selector or whatever to get what you want. That's kind of nice. Yeah, Puppeteer's not going to be super far from 
a browser, right? Or or even the JS console or something like that. Like dollar mm-hmm. dollar works for like query selector all, you know. So where you'd have to use like Cheerio or something like that the other way, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh right. If you pull it in Node, you'd have to use some kind of DOM parser, JS DOM uh, parser. That's thing. like the worst of both worlds. It's still a huge amount of dependency, and it sucks. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so but the but. The trade-off is it's slower. And so that actually spun out into a whole other thing where we were doing a synchronous task, like hit the API, hit a function, boom, it comes back. Now we have to hit the API and queue a job. The job subscriber worker <laughs> then runs and it can take, you know, a minute, two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, you know, it depends on how big your site is. So uh, it's it's maybe a better UX overall, just like, hey, come back and we'll have it for you. But um, it has been a whirlwind tour. And then, you know, mm-hmm. the the next frontier, which is sort of like where we've had problems literally this week is like, authentication like cool i have an app but it's behind a login you know and so it's like mm. oh boy you know well but you're now, now that you've switched to a puppeteer like setup it can't be that bad i mean i i, I yeah you can get it done uh, we can do it it's just there are a lot of ways that login happens is your login button on one screen is it on two screens the page that you go to after login, is it an actual page or is it just kind of like a depend on like a question mark redirect thing? Mm. You know, do you like, uh, uh, we did one client, uh, customer, uh, the login goes to a page with no anchor links. It's just divs and buttons an angular app. Whoops. Uh, so like, how do you like, well, can you, doesn't puppeteer have scripting stuff? It'd be like, Hey, if you need to log in, you write how to log in in puppeteer code, give it to us, put it in this text area and we'll execute that. Yeah. I mean, generally from a security standpoint, you don't want to execute arbitrary code. That's usually mm, like, not uh, familiar with that. <laughs> <laughs> like, that maybe has some experience. Uh, you guys kind of went, just yeeted it and said, why not? Yeah. yeah, but these these are paying enterprisey customers doing right, it to right. their own website. Like, it's not that big of a deal. No, and so anyway, we we are like, uh, but it's it's been very interesting, and it's it's a challenge, you know. And and you'd think I think we were talking in the Discord about crawling because you you kind of wrote a crawler, huh, uh, over the holidays. And well, I didn't write a crawler, but I, I had a, I had an idea that I wanted to to crawl stuff just to see what it was like. I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with the concept of crawling. It's come up many times in my in my life. But yeah, I was thinking of you because because of this exact moment where you you know you kind of switched from a you know, essentially a curl. I don't know what you were using, but it was probably something like that. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it basically just curl, like curl, go, curl, go. Right, and and then this in this rendering thing, and I was like, yeah, so okay, this is what happened to me. This is it, it's interesting because it, it had a big up and down. To, and at the moment, it's a down, and I'm looking for inspiration to oh, no. to salvage the the idea, but almost like an emotional down, like, uh, like, uh, okay, I'm, I'm done caring about this. Like I got nerd sniped and then, you know, how fast a nerd snipe comes on, it comes off, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the nerd snipe was, uh, my wife being like, Oh, you know, it was this, I think this, like this is this bluey, you know, everybody, y'all know bluey, right? If you're, if you have kids, you know, Oh it's yeah, great... I know bluey. She's <laughs> great. You've, Oh, Whack-a-doo. yeah, Bluey. Whack-a-doo, Bluey. <laughs> oh, bingo. 
What are you doing, Bego? Oh, wizard, wizard. Yeah, I don't know. We're we know perfect. Who we. Yeah, they have a stage show live in oh, in person. Live. I'm sure it's coming to Austin. Austin's a big city. It's coming to Portland, but we found out about it just in time for it to be sold out. You know, no, no, nah, bummer. Um, but you know how you find out about stuff like that is like in the local rag or mm-hmm. you're lucky enough to catch it online or something, you know? So you're you're a little bit late. But those things, they get their source probably right from the websites of uh, who, who knows what. But the, the idea is that maybe if you knew what all these sources were, like, for example, the websites of the venues of these things, and you were just looking directly at them all the time, if a new thing was published, you could have a crawler that's like, ooh, they just published something on the, you know, the Portland fancy venue place. So I want to know, like send me an email or whatever, or just have a dashboard I can look at, maybe get a daily email, digest something that scrapes web known websites that publish events and uh, and then has that information. So I was like, okay, this is an opportunity for me to Pick all kinds of fancy stuff. I also had a friend who was like, you know, you know, uh, he, he like he like has a shop. You know, I won't say too many details. It's not illegal. It's just one of those weed selling stores. Um, but the idea kind of is like, wouldn't it be nice to have information about the prices of all this stuff? Because that in that market, things are all over the place. You know, sure. so it would be okay. really nice to know what's up. You know, like who who's selling what for what? That's sure. a scraping job. It's just yeah. it's all publicly available. You go right to their website and be like, "Oh, this this weed it sells for this much for this." You know, you could you could write a very advanced scraper for that. And I was always like, "Oh, you know," he'd talk to me and I'd be like, "Ah, it's just a scraping job. You can outsource that." You know, but I'm like, mm-hmm. "Is it?" You know, I'd like to experience a little bit of like how hard really is this job of scraping? And so my wife's idea of you know, bluey, oh, yeah, yeah, tracker. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Not just bluey, but just other events in that category. I'm like, oh, I got this. So I was like, I'll just pick all new technologies here. I'll pick a, I'll pick a scraper. How would I, how would I write this thing as a cron job? Well, I'll just do the Netlify thing because they got scheduled functions. Yeah, they can run them in JavaScript, TypeScript, or Go. And I'm like, well, why don't I write it in Go? You know, it's it's fun to write something because I write Go at CodePen all the time, but I, I rarely write it outside of the context of our own code base. So maybe that'll be yeah. an excuse. And I'm like, oh, surely there's a Go scraper. Oh, sure, here's one called Kali. I'll just use that. It's like curl, though. Yeah. So I knew that going in, though. I made that choice up front. I was like, I don't actually care that much about this. You know, if this becomes a real thing, I'm happy to switch scrapers or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it is an API that's very weird. There's no query selector all in Kali. It's very Go-like API. It it was nice enough. But there is like, you know, six, seven, eight lines of code for each website I want to scrape that is so bespoke to scraping. It's that moment where you're like, oh, what do you call a UL with events in it. You right. call it some yeah. weird angular something. And that's all you got is the DOM. That's all you got. You know, if, if you had to, if you had to nth child that thing, that's what you'd have to do. And mm-hmm. that requires somebody with just deep, you know, kind of understanding of how to query for things on the web and know that it could just break at any time. These companies are not beholden to you in any way. Yeah. So that is the most brittle code you'll ever write is some some scraping of somebody else. You'd probably have to wake up and validate your scrapers every day. 
if you were really serious about it. Yeah. Like, and that's something we had to do is like, cause we do a little CSS selector stuff, you know, like what's your input, you know? Um, yeah. But like uh, had to do a lot of validation this week just around like, Oh, if there's two buttons named the same thing or two lists named event list, which one, which, which one yeah. do you mean? You know, well, like, even that. Yeah. 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 Well, so. and the wrapper and it's internal have the same class. Oh, great. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so, so, okay. So I'll write it and go. I'll use Kali. And I did it. It's fine. But it gave me a, you know, play with types and stuff. So I had to make an event type and go and then pull all the information and append to the array and then have it uh, uh, crawl all the sites, make one big array of all the events, and then return it as JSON. So, of course, Go has no problem with that. It's very web-friendly language in that way. But I just do it on the fly. I just, every time I hit this function, it does the curls, it crawls the stuff, it puts it all together, whatever. Then I ship it to Netlify. Hey, there's the function. But, of course, that's the least responsible thing you can do. You know, you should not be crawling per URL per request. Hit. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's horrible. So I'm like, oh, maybe, uh, you know, uh, on demand builder, you know, that's the, ODB, that's the Nullify yeah. thing saying only run this function and then cache it and decache it sometimes. You know, you can probably do it on a schedule. I don't yeah, know. Once a day or something. Yeah. You yeah. Can set unfortunately, that up. Yeah. little uh, Go feels like a little bit of a second class citizen in Nullify land a little bit. They don't have on demand builders for Go. Good. So that's a, nor do they have the internal scheduling of the things. You can do it via their Netlify Toml file, be like, run this once a day or whatever. But anyway, I'm doing it. But just the scheduling doesn't help in this case because I'm not, the data isn't being stored anywhere. So I'm like, ah, maybe I'll, you know, I'll spin up a Postgres. You know, we've talked about that enough times on this show. You're like, where would you put like a little bit of data? It yeah. comes up all the time on this show yeah. and in our Discord and stuff. But I'm like, I don't know, I should know Postgres better because we use that at CodePen and it's kind of like a very good choice these days, it feels like. It's it's MySQL with muscles is what I, how I'd describe yeah, it. There you you go. know, it's just, it's like, oh, like, I wish MySQL did like JSON. It might now, but Postgres yeah. is like, yeah, I do it and I'm really Crutch good at, at it. Yeah, so. it is good at it. It's got all kinds of cool little features. I needed none of these cool features. I just like the <laughs> idea of like, there's a table and it has columns of types and you put stuff in the columns. Sure. You know, not yep. that hard. In, uh, so I spun up a super base kind of for the first time ever that I've spun it up, which is all Postgres all the time. Every, every super base has a Postgres in it. I didn't even have to type the SQL to make the table. They have a whole UI just for being like, what columns do you want? What types are the columns? Hit the save button. So just that alone, I'm like, hell yeah, Superbase. Yeah, Superbase well is done. very cool. I kind of wish I it was around when I started or like mature <laughs> when I started. But anyway. Yeah, watch. And they have little... I don't know, what would you call it? SDK, I guess, where it's like, just import Superbase from Superbase. And then if you want to update information and stuff in the database, you're not writing SQL statements to do that. You're using their their little nice API for it. Yeah, like, it's an ORM, like in yeah. the Hell yeah. active record sense. It's just like, whatever, await posts or superbase.posts. And it's just like, Mew. dot update this. Yeah. Great. Super cool. Great. And no bindings from Superbase to go. But there's a user land. There's a user land one, and it's fine. And it just mimics theirs identically for the most part. So 
just yank that in in my Netlify Go function. And instead of just returning the JSON, I just plunk the data into Supabase. And then I change, you know, then I have another, a second function in this case. And all that does is connect to Supabase and pull that data. Mm-hmm. But I do it in TypeScript because I've been doing everything in TypeScript lately. So mm-hmm. welcome, mm-hmm. welcome to the party, me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not good, huh? Yeah. Not good. <laughs> uh, God, I just Blowing can't review. even talk about it because it's just Not so good. just. Ugh. There's very rare moments that I even like it at all. But anyway, whatever. <laughs> now it exists. It's a thing. It's another very complicated that way language in 2023, and I'm mad already about it. But it's fine. <laughs> I am I'm, mad about it. I'm like, yeah. okay. Now that I now that I know it, I'm trying to stop my brain from being like, I know it, so I like it now, because I. You know, once you know stuff, there's like this tendency to to like what you know. But I'm like, I still have this lingering thought of like, yes, but how many problems are actually about types? So few. Bugs are usually about something else. Dependency I was using was, I think it was Crawley, was written in TypeScript. And I like clicked the function name, you know, and it took me to the function definition in the file. And I was like, okay. That's cool. That's great. If you're writing something for other people, it should be in TypeScript because it just makes it so freaking great to use. Yeah, and now I've been writing Go for long enough, so the type thing doesn't really bug me because everything in Go is typed. But and TypeScript almost feels like more robust types; like they can it can do a little more. But by virtue of that, is more obnoxious. I just yeah, I have a million thoughts, but we won't go there. But I write it in TypeScript, so now I have types in TypeScript for my events and types in Go for my events, and they mm-hmm. sort of match, but not all the way. It was it was relatively satisfying, but then kept running into like little little bugs because I'm like, mm. yeah, I was going to say, you didn't seem stoked on the project, but it sounds like you were able to do it. But so what's, what's yeah, it's, the... it's, it's like done ish, but there's like there, I had little data, data problems of, cause I'm like, I kind of want to use in, I, I know so little about databases that it's hard to like, can't, like here you go, Dave, you can just answer for me. Cause I never got to the bottom of this. Can I, somebody in the discord, I think Andrew had the good idea of using the URL to the event on the canonical website as like the, the primary key essentially. So if you scrape again, because you, you, you wouldn't just scrape, put it in the database, scrape, put it in the database. You can't do that. You'll have duplicates all day. So you need to like know if it's a duplicate when you scrape the second time. So the idea is, well, I'll just find in the database based on the URL, and if that's a match, I'll just overwrite the data there on the new scraping, uh, which is fine. So no duplicates. But like, yeah. but by default, like every table in the world just has an ID, and it's just like a big int or whatever. That's the primary key. But would I make? Would I actually make the primary key the URL instead? Uh, I would not. Uh, but. But that's basically how Lura works. Uh, like we have a URL, and that's um, actually I don't think it's unique. But if you like URL, the name means uniform resource locator. So like its job is to locate resources. You know, like that's what it's for. Um, and so that should we kind of made the decision or the assumption that that would always be unique. Does that make sense? So then you. Maybe like it's more like instead of like querying or like making that your primary key or 
or whatever, you can just kind of say like, this is unique, or we're just going to assume it's unique and sort of like query off of that or, or whatever, go to our, our fetches based on what we think is the unique URL, you know? Um, so like right. your event, your events would have URLs probably right, like a deep link to the page or whatever. And so you could almost always assume that that is unique to at least that event center. You can also just say in Postgres, like this column thing has to be unique. Yeah. And it will just panic if it's not, if you try to write a new one with the same value. Yeah. And then when you have a unique, you can actually, I think Superbase will probably do this. I know Prisma does this, but once you have unique, you now have like, you can be like find by URL or whatever, and then pass it and and it works just like an ID. So yep, and that that part was kind of was working, but there was a couple problems. One, if I did a f- if I did like a find or whatever it was, like like you know, hey, I'm looking for one single row. Mm-hmm. Look for this by URL. It was just failing. It would always return nothing found. And I was like, uh, is it like escaping or something? Like, why is it not finding this exact string search in the database? I could not figure it out. So that was kind of a low moment. Oh. But then I, I could search by title. If I had the title of the event, that would turn up just fine. So I'm like, fine, I'll just use title for now as my like uniquitude hmm. search. Yeah. Yeah. And then I would start, and then I was starting to write, write you know, I'd clear the database and be like, well, let me just run a fresh scrape, do it. And then it's like the API I was using had some problem with writing or something. And this was after like a long Saturday where somehow I got the freedom to just code on nonsense all day and I took advantage of it. But now it's like 10 p.m. and I'm like drooling, staring at the screen. And I kind of left it at that. And then I was kind of like, I don't know that I have any more motivation anymore to to care about this. You know, it's like, then it's Sunday and I don't really want to work on it. And then Monday is back to work. And so the thing's just kind of sitting there like, you know, super close to functional. But then I think back on the like, well, it's this curl scraper. So obviously it has super big limitations that way. And it has this idea that there's all this code in there that's so specific to these few websites that have it. And I, I didn't really find like a collection of like amazing websites to scrape anyway. I found like mm-hmm. one basically, and then I added a couple more just to prove out the concept, but I don't really care about the other two. And I'm like, how how useful is it to scrape one website? You're like, why don't you just go to that website? If you, you know? Yeah. yeah. So the, oh, between all those kind of things, my nerd sniping energy just like disappeared. I was like, mm. yeah, I mean, maybe it's not the answer you want, but I feel like that's an awesome way for the project to end. Like, you had an idea, you prototyped it, you built it out, it's functioning, and then like you have an idea of like what what it might take to go like f- full, yeah, you know, a full experience, and you're like, well, n- no, I, I kind of, I'm out of energy, and that's great, mm. you know. Yeah, I think you're kind of right. I mean, so you know, TypeScript, Next.js, and Next.js that would do the server side props thing so it would connect to supabase get the data render the page as html out in the first oh, response I'd love to SSR, try that. which was nice yeah i used open props adam argyle's thing to to style the yeah. whole page with just custom properties and shit and and then typescript so it was like a real interesting collection of technologies and i'm like wow I, apparently i'm a full stack dev now cuz that's about as full stacky as it gets if you ask that's me that's full stack my guy yeah nice <laughs> you did it that's wonderful yeah no more no more front of the front for you well, you're full stack 
But you um, have a real product. That was just screwing around. Yeah, I, th- it was more impressive to me that you're like, oh, crawler? I'll just rewrite our entire crawler with this new thing in two seconds. <laughs> well, yeah, it got help from uh, Kyle Zinter, who's our, our dev on the team. But uh, I think he did most of that like rewrite. But we had kind of like, we hit this like just, it happened, your problem happened for us at the right time where it was just like, we were thinking like, oh, we need it another thing to go and whatever. I forget what it was exactly. It might have been the authenticated crawls was kind of happening all at the same time. And so mm-hmm. also you are doing authenticated crawls now. We have the thing, the technology, uh, but yeah, it was a little, we found out it like busted and kind of a either puppeteer updated. And that's a, another whole deal is like dependencies, right? But puppeteer updated and, and uh, you know, crawls were just kind of falling apart. And so uh, we had to kind of redo some of the logic and make sure we handled any kind of race conditions. Cause it's weird. Like if you like click a simulate a click on a button or you you're actually clicking it in the headless browser, but like, but you're like waiting for something you can like get in a situation where the weight resolves after before the click. And so anyway, mm. it was, we're kind of do, fighting that right now. So anyway, it, it, but what's weird about authentication is just the myriad of ways that can exist is just massive. Like, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just, just stupid. Uh, <laughs> like, and this is what I'm realizing too. Like, maybe this is my big criticism. We, we like look at design systems a lot too, like storybooks and all that stuff. We're not exactly replacing your storybook. You know, we think it's cool that you have one. Like we want you to have that. Right how people set up their storybooks and how people set up their figmas and how people set up, like we talked about design systems for ages, right? But how people are setting this stuff up is just wild west. It's, (laughs) it's like I invented it, you know, like there's a human element in it. It's all centered around like human things. It's like, no, I need a story with button that has too many characters in it. You know, like I need to have that. And so like, that goes in the system. Isn't it the story of all time? This like opinionated versus unopinionated, and you don't get the luxury of being opinionated because you're dealing with other people's stuff. So yeah, so I have to kind of like ocean boil quite a bit, you know, <laughs> and uh, that's that's hard. So that's hard to do, but but it's. I think I don't know. I think we're 2023 thing. I think design systems are great. I, I think they're a little ripe for some disruption, and you know having tokens in a w3c thing you know i think that's like big but uh it's just interesting like the whole thing about design systems is reduced duplicated effort right like app one and app two inside your company shouldn't be like making their own tabs you know well cool but we are duplicating that effort across thousands of companies like (laughs) it's wild it's a lot of action, is what I'm trying to say. So, but now that you have the the word thousands in your brain, you can know that you can always make decisions around that. So, if you if some if any one of them is like raise his hand, bespoke thing, please, you can be like no, <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, that's I mean, it's hard when you're a small company and saying no sucks in that way right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're trying to say yes as much as we can, but but a yes is a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> or something, you know. <laughs> So what happened was, yeah, no, yeah, yes is 
can be expensive. So yeah, indeed, they can be a they can be a you know you, should, you know when when Alex talks about it for code pennies like through the first years of our life all we did was Twitter driven development he calls it because people yeah one tweet somebody would be like you should do this and then we'd be like okay well I'm sure I'm, and then we paid for it forever sure that's my fault too you can invoice me so <laughs> um. well then <laughs> then we growed up you know not that you've seen a lot of releases lately but it's kind of cool to be working on this big big new release as adults you know like we have all these challenges ahead of us but we we can do it with like you know it's like i'd rather freaking get this perfect or at least you know to the not perfect's not the right word but like solid like do it with all the right principles in mind and then ship it or not ship it <laughs> not that that's at any risk but I, but I, I really feel that seriously about that putting out junk is not in the in the radar anymore because it's because of the pain that it causes real physical and emotional pain to ship a busted ass thing and no, you know, live under the burden and weight of that is no. There's no a really good Shigeru Miyamoto, creator of Mario, quote that is get the fundamentals solid first and then do with whatever time and ambition allow. So, like, you get it solid and then you just keep iterating, like, whatever spinning up new levels in his context you know like they figure out how to make mario jumping feel really good how, what an em- enemy fight what an enemy stomp is you know okay cool now we can build out the game you know and almost every mario game has been like late you know um like yeah. because i think they just realized like okay our fundamentals aren't solid first you know but then once they have it then boom like what is it? Mario, uh, 64, 120 something levels, you know, like just out levels, Chris, like, (laughs) you know, like, like once you have the fundamentals in place, like now you can do a lot of, of big stuff. So, um, that's, that's a principle I try to abide in. So nice. Nice. Um, that's good. I love that. That stuff does it. The more the older I get, the more it appeals to me. We like had a principles discussion just on Monday at work because I, I won't steal Alex's, but he had, he found someone called the or it was called the, the principle of least surprise that we tried to hear. I don't want cool. to know more. I know. That sounds like a code pen radio or blog post. I'd love to hear. Yeah, I hope so. Awesome. All right, man. Let's wrap it up. Thank you, dear listener, for downloading this in your podcast. Your choice. Be sure to start heart favorite up. That's how people find out about the show. Uh, you know, we don't. Have, we have a Twitter, church, <laughs> Chef Talk Show. Uh, and maybe we should pick an instance. We maybe we'll find an instance. Yeah. Uh, and then head over to uh, patreon.com slash shop talk show and join the discord popping off. Yeah. Chris, anything else you'd like to say? Uh, shop talk show.com. 